Hello, this is Gary Hutchins with the Sunny Slope Church of Christ in Omaha, Nebraska. Welcome to our Sunday morning Bible class. We're podcasting a Sunday morning Bible class every Sunday morning, posted at 9.30 in the morning. And we also are doing that for our Wednesday night Bible class at 10.30. I'm sorry, our Wednesday night Bible class each Wednesday evening at 6.30. Now, we're doing that for people who are not able to be with us in person in the Omaha area, but also for those who are listening and studying with us through God's word in other parts of the country and literally around the world. We're so thankful to have the opportunity, the ability, and the means to be able to teach God's word on such a widespread basis through the medium of the internet. We're thankful to have people who are wanting to study, who are wanting to grow in their faith and their knowledge. And Being in God's word is key to growing in our faith because faith comes by hearing the word of God, Romans 10 and verse 17. So the more we can stay in God's word, then the stronger our faith ought to become and the stronger our faith ought to to become, we should be coming closer to God. And ultimately coming to that point, if we're not already true Christians, according to the New Testament scriptures, then we should be coming to that point where we're making up our mind, I, I want to come into Christ. I want to be forgiven of my sins. I want to be baptized so that the blood that is shed on the cross can cleanse me of the guilt of my sins. I want to act in that way obediently to the faith that is building up within me. I want to confess that faith in Christ as my Lord and Savior and God's Son. And, and I want to begin to live that new life, transformed spiritually, that life in Christ as a Christian. Well, we want to help people get to heaven. We're not after people's wallets. We want to help people get to heaven. So as you're following along and listening through these studies, don't just keep it to yourself, but share them with everybody you can all the time. You can do that through Facebook friends, text messages, and other technological means. But you make that commitment and share with everybody you can your family members, your friends, your work associates, your neighbors, literally everybody you can. Just think how thrilled that person might be to enter those pearly gates onto those golden streets in heaven and to think back that they're so thankful that you helped them turn their lives around by getting them into God's word on a consistent basis. That'll be a thrill for them. It'll be a great blessing for them, unparalleled, but it will also be a great blessing for you. So share. We also encourage you to encourage everybody you can, and if you have not done so yet, you do this. Go to our website at churchofchrist.com, churchofchrist.com. Scroll down the home page to the podcast button, click on that, and sign up for our podcasting. Again, it's free. It always will be free. When somebody signs up for a podcasting, they will automatically receive to their smart device, whichever one they choose, smartphone, computer, laptop, pad, tablet, whatever it might be, they will automatically receive our Sunday morning Bible class, our Wednesday night Bible class, and all of our sermons, and those are now posted in video format as well as audio format. Now, you've got to go to our website to get those on video format, but you can listen audio on your smart device without going to our website. That's podcasting. And they'll also receive our 
daily, seven-day-a-week, short Bible study called Today's Bible Class. Gets us into God's Word every day for about 13 minutes. And they'll receive our Monday through Friday daily radio program, Search the Scriptures. Now, while in our website they can download hundreds of sermons from our archives going back many years, and they can also download hundreds of articles that are scripturally based and spiritually focused. They can read through those and study through the scripture references and in that way grow spiritually as well. So take advantage of this opportunity. Encourage everybody you can. Sign up for our podcasting. Again, always free. We're going to get back into our study from the book of Exodus. And we're coming toward the end of that study because, as I said, we've gotten into a part of that book where God is laying out a lot of the laws that he is communicating to Moses to pass on to the people of Israel, to the Israelites, whom God, through Moses, has led out of the bondage that they were suffering under in the land of Egypt. He has led them to into the wilderness to Mount Sinai. He's giving the law to Moses, and that began with the Ten Commandments. And then he's, his plan is to lead them all the way to the land that he promised to their forefathers, beginning with Abraham. And that land would be Canaan, and that would become ultimately the land of Israel. But now there's going to be a problem before God can lead them into that land effectively, and we'll get to that later in our study, perhaps. But right now, we have skipped over to chapter 32, and we're reading the account of, the, uh, of Moses going up on Mount Sinai to receive the law from God, particularly the Ten Commandments, but the law in general, I think we're to understand. Now, when he went up there, he was gone for a period of some weeks. The people became anxious because their physical leader in the person of Moses was not there before their eyes. And so they became anxious. They started doubting. And so when we studied through verses 1 through 9, we saw that they went to Aaron and, and this is perplexing that Aaron went along with it because Aaron was the spokesperson for Moses. God would give Moses instruction. He would pass it on to Aaron. Then Aaron would voice it to back in Egypt to Pharaoh. But I'm sure also he would also put it into words that could be easily understood and comprehended by the people of Israel. Moses, remember when God first called him to go deliver the people of Israel out of Egyptian bondage, Moses says, I, I don't talk well. And God said, okay, there's your brother Aaron. He speaks well. He'll be your mouthpiece. I'll speak to you. You tell him what I've said, and he'll, he'll voice that to Pharaoh. And I'm, I'm sure also it would be, at least to some extent, to the people of Israel. I get the impression, though, that Moses became more and more confident in his own ability to address the Israelites as time went on. But again, that's just kind of a feeling, you know, kind of a calculated understanding that I, I have come to by looking at the texts here. And it seems that Moses would be addressing the people directly a number of times. Now, we look here in chapter 32. 
So Moses goes up on the Mount Sinai. He's going to be gone for a period of a few weeks, and the people become anxious. They become doubtful. We might say scared. They don't know if Moses is going to come back. He's been gone all this time. Well, again, it hasn't really been that long, but they become anxious. And so they go to Aaron and they say, you know, make us, make us an idol, make us a god, it's lowercase g, that he may lead us. <laughs> Again, we talked about the absurdity of this. God had already led them out of Egyptian bondage. God, through the plagues, had virtually, had virtually devastated the economy, the population, the military, the agriculture of the land of Egypt. Powerful nation. And God did that. He delivered the people from the, Egyptian, uh, from the Egyptian bondage. He led them across the Red Sea on dry land and then closed up the waters over the pursuing Egyptian chariots, destroyed them. And then he has fed them in the wilderness. He has given them water in the wilderness. And now he is ready to give them the law at Mount Sinai. Moses goes up, and God is communicating directly with Moses, but Moses is out of sight of the people, and so they want some kind of physical assurance, so they go to Aaron and say, make us a God. And Aaron goes along with it. That's what's so perplexing. Aaron would be the first high priest of Israel, and, and yet he tells them, bring me your gold earrings and all of that stuff. And so Aaron fashions a golden calf. And then he, he, he fashions an altar for it to be put upon. And the people declare, I guess some who took leadership within the, 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 the nation, within the population, they, they told the people, here is your God. <laughs> Isn't that incredible? Isn't that incredible? So when Aaron saw it, he built an altar before it, verse 5 of chapter 32. And Aaron made a proclamation and said, Tomorrow is a, is a feast to the Lord. They rose early on the next day, offered burnt offerings. Offered burnt offerings to this image, this idol. Now go back to the first few of the, of the, ten, of the ten Commandments. That was specifically forbidden, condemned. But they were doing that. They brought peace offerings, and the people sat down to eat and drink. Incredible, isn't it? Incredible. The people said, if you go back to verse 4, this is your God, O Israel, that brought you out of the land of Egypt. Really? That was not even there when God brought them out of the land of Egypt. That image had not, even be fat, had not even been fashioned. Now, was this their idea of creating an image of perhaps a god, again, an idol, lowercase g, that the Egyptians had worshipped through, supposedly, but the Israelites would see them doing that all the time? Well, that would be foolhardy because God delivered them from Egypt and all that Egypt was. Or were they fashioning this image 
as an image that represented the true God. Well, again, God said that's condemned going back to the Ten Commandments that he'd already given to them. Well, you see how fickle, and I tried to emphasize that, how fickle we as human beings can be. One moment we can be true blue, and the next moment it would almost seem at the blink of an eye or the turn of a hand, we can go in the opposite direction. Well, let's pick up with verse 9. Moses is on Mount Sinai with the Lord. And the Lord said to Moses, I have seen this people, and indeed it is a stiff-necked people. Now therefore, hard-headed, now therefore let me alone that my wrath may burn hot against them, and that I may consume them, and I will make of you a great nation. Now God has gone to great lengths to lead the Israelites, the people through whose bloodline he chose to bring the Savior into the world. Now, that would be hundreds of years down the road, but this is the bloodline. This is the people. And now he says to Moses, leave me alone. Let my wrath burn hot against them that I may consume them. The understanding there being, I'll destroy them. And I will make of you a great nation. So he tells Moses, I'll start all over again as far as the people through whom the Savior will come into the world, the people that I had chosen to be my chosen people, my special people, I'll start over from scratch. I'll begin with you. From your bloodline, I'll, be, I'll raise up a new people. Now here is, here is a principle of truth that we need to understand. I think a lot of times we, and maybe without even realizing it, we get something of the big head thinking, we're so great, we're so good, we're so absolutely essential. Wrong. The only way we can truly be good is to walk with God in consistent, faithful obedience through Jesus Christ. And then God can count us good. But in and of ourselves, on our own, through whatever resources we might think that we have individually, personally, God does not need us. We need God. And here's the principle God is getting across to Moses, and we need to grasp this fully in the depth of its meaning. God can always raise up a new people. Now, we might think, oh, no, it's too far along. He needs, he needs to use us. He needs to go through us. He needs to work with, with us. No. God can always raise up a new people. And that's what he's telling Moses. I'll just start over again from scratch. I'll begin with you. Through your bloodline, I'll raise up a new people. We look at the same principle brought out in Numbers chapter 14 and verse 12. When again the people have... Oh, they have challenged, well, they've become unfaithful to God. And so here in verse 12 of, of Numbers chapter 14, God says to Moses, I will strike them with the pestilence and disinherit them. I will strike them with the pestilence and disinherit them, and I will make of you a nation greater and mightier than they. Oh, he said, I'll punish them. 
Now, is he getting across there that he'll destroy them completely? Possibly. When he says, I'll strike them with the pestilence, maybe again he's getting across the understanding. I'll just wipe them out, and I'll begin all over again from scratch with your bloodline. God can always raise up a new people. Jesus brings this out in Matthew chapter 3 and verse 9 as he's going through his ministry on this earth. He says in verse 8, I'm sorry, Jesus, this is John the Baptist saying this. And in verse 8 he says, therefore bear fruits worthy of repentance. Now, the Jews were coming to him to be baptized. That is, John the Immerser, the cousin of Jesus, who was out there preparing the way for the Lord to begin his public ministry. And John, as they were coming to him, and he was teaching them about the coming Savior, he was saying, you need to repent. You need to turn your lives around. And he says, therefore, bear fruits worthy of repentance. Now, what does that mean? You need to bear fruits in your life that demonstrate your true repentance from your sins. And then he goes on and says in verse 9, and do not think to say to yourselves, we have Abraham as our father. See, a lot of people, they go back into their lineage and they think, oh, look, we are of royal stock here. <laughs> do you know who our forefather was? Do you know who our grandfather, our great-grandfather was? He was this person or that person, so renowned and respected in the history of their nation or their area. Their bloodline is so great, so pure, so and so. Yeah, yeah. No. John says, do not think to say to yourselves, we have Abraham as our father. Well, that's great that Abraham, you can trace your bloodline back to Abraham, but that's not going to save you. For I say to you that God is able to raise up children to Abraham from these stones. Oh my, that put them in their place. That should have been like a bucket of cold water thrown in their face. God does not need us. We need God. And so even John, the immerser, the cousin of Jesus, preparing the way for Jesus to begin his public ministry, teaching the Jews about the coming Savior. Don't, don't lean upon your laurels, upon your lineage, your bloodline. God can begin all over again with these stones right laying there on the ground before you and raise up children to Abraham. God can always raise up a new people always. And he can do it today. Where is your heart? What is your mindset? Are you thinking, well, God could not do that today? He can do that any day. God is God. And we come back to Exodus chapter 32. So he has told Moses, I will make of you a great nation. My wrath will burn hot against them that I may consume them. In verse 11, Moses responds, and the people of Israel, I don't know if they realized it or not, or if they realized it fully or not, but Moses continually pleaded for God's mercy upon them, and he does that here. Moses pleaded with the Lord his God and said, Lord, why does your wrath burn hot against your people whom you have brought out of the land of Egypt with great power and with a mighty hand. 
Why should the Egyptians speak and say, he brought them out to harm them, to kill them in the mountains, and to consume them from the face of the earth? Turn from your fierce wrath and relent from this harm to your people. And so Moses, he's trying to plead with God. And he's saying, your enemies, they'll take this as, well, evil on your part that you just led them out of Egypt to kill them in the wilderness, to wipe them from the face of the earth. Don't let them have that line of reasoning. Don't let them be able to say that, even though it would be false. Don't let them be able to use that against you and against your people. In verse 13, Moses goes on and says, Remember Abraham, Isaac, and Israel, your servants to whom you swore by your own self and said to them, I will multiply your descendants as the stars of the heaven and all this land that I have spoken of, I give to your descendants and they shall inherit it forever. And so Moses is reminding God about his covenant, his covenants with Abraham, Isaac, and ultimately that would extend to the people of Israel. You promised them this land Remember that. So the Lord relented from the harm which he said he would do to his people. Now Moses did not need to remind God. God knew exactly what those covenants were, what they were about. But Moses is, is, is reasoning from a human perspective. And he's pleading the case for the people of Israel. And God listens to his basically listens to his, what we can understand as, from our perspective, Moses' prayer. And God spares the people for the most part. In verse 15, Moses turned and went down from the mountain, and the two tablets of the testament were in his hand. The tablets, the tablets were written on both sides, on the one side and on the other, they were written. Now the tablets were the work of God, and the writing was the writing of God engraved on the tablets. In other words, God wrote these tablets as law for the Israelites, gave them to Moses. And when Joshua heard the noise of the people as they shouted, he said to Moses, there is a noise of war in the camp. Now, in other words, Joshua was not in the camp. He was waiting apparently at a different place for Moses to come down from the mountain after God had finished giving him the law. Joshua apparently did not know what was going on about the golden calf and the people offering sacrifice to it and so on. When Joshua heard the noise of the people as they shouted, he said to Moses, there's a, no there's a noise in of war in the camp. Joshua thought an enemy was attacking. But he said, this is Moses responded, it is not the noise of the shout of victory nor the noise of the cry of defeat, but the sound of singing I hear. So it was, as soon as they, he came near the camp, that he saw the calf and the dancing. So Moses' anger became hot, and he cast the tablets out of his hands and broke them at the foot of the mountain. Then he took the calf which they had made, burned it in the fire, ground it to powder, 
and he scattered it on the water and made the children of Israel drink it. Here's your golden calf who you have bowed down to, who you have called your God. Now drink it up with the water. He destroyed that calf. Well, if it was a God, how could he destroy it? But it was not a God. It was just a creation from the hand of the hands of Aaron, an image formed by mankind. And so Moses destroyed it and made the people drink the powder of, of it as Moses had ground it up and spread it on the water. And Moses said to Aaron, What did this people do to you that you have brought so great a sin upon them? <laughs> Rhetorical question, perhaps? Did they bind you up? Did they torture you? Did they beat you? Did they force you at the point of sword or spear to do this for them? So Aaron said, Do not let the anger of my Lord become hot. You know the people, how they are set on evil. So Aaron starts blaming the people, trying to absolve himself from any guilt as to what he had done and why he had done it. For they said to me, Make us gods, lowercase g, that shall go before us. As for this Moses, the man who brought us out of the land of Egypt, we do not know what has become of him. In other words, Aaron says, they said you might be dead. They didn't know. They, they, they told me to do this. And I said to them, whoever has any gold, let him break it off. So they gave it to me, and I cast it into the fire, and this calf came out. <laughs> oh, boy, I'll tell you. Aaron telling Moses, I threw all that gold into the fire, and this calf popped out. Really? Uh, I don't think so. Aaron made that calf. He was the craftsman of that image. He formed it himself. Huh. Again, how absurd we are in our explanations sometimes of why we did what we did, how it came to be, or trying to excuse ourselves from our own guilt. Well, there was Aaron then. We're going to stop here at this point, and we'll finish up this chapter next time. I wanted to get the depth of what is really communicated here across to us. We are a fickle-minded people. We can follow God in absolute, at least in our mind, ab with absolute statements of dedication and commitment and obedience until something happens that challenges our faith and our faithfulness. And then we can turn to sin. We need to remember, God does not need us. We need God. And God can always raise up a new people. Now, let me make a specific application to that principle. If God could take the nation of Israel, we're talking about one to three million people probably, and he could wipe them out and then start over from, from scratch with the bloodline of Moses and create a new people, a new nation, 
God can do that with the church as well if the church does not stay faithful to God in every detail. God can always create a new people. We need to take that to heart. We need to swish that around in our head and learn that principle and let it help us to stay motivated to stay true to God. Let's pray. Father, thank you for loving us. Thank you for being so patient with us, so merciful and gracious with us in spite of ourselves and our weaknesses. But help us, Father, to be strong in our dedication and commitment and faith before you. Help people all over the world see that the only real way to ultimate victory is through you, through your Son, our Lord and Savior, Jesus Christ. Help them see the light, Father. Help us be shining lights of that truth before the people all around us throughout the world. Guide us, help us to be the church that you would have us to be. Please forgive us, gracious Father. We pray in Jesus' name. Amen.